Dear Lord, we're so thankful that you have brought us all here. Lord, we know that you have a plan for each and every one of our lives, and we ask that you would um, help us all to learn more about you through this process, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this was probably the hardest presentation I've done because there's, there's no formula for bootstrapping a farm. You know, what is bootstrapping? Um, I got a definition here in a second, but why would you bootstrap? Um, these are some of the reasons that I came up with. Because you're poor, you don't have much experience, you like having control of your business, you can't access money from friends or banks, you don't like debt, you want to play it safe, you want to learn on a smaller scale. So when I say like you like having control of your business, if you borrow money or you get a partner, then you, know, you lose a chunk of your business or, or your control or you know, what you want to do. Um, you don't have much experience. I'm going to talk a little bit about our first farm. We didn't have any experience, and that was a great place to not borrow money <laughs> because we would have made huge mistakes. We're still making mistakes. They're just getting smaller. So this is from Investopedia on YouTube. An individual is said, to be a boots, is said to be bootstrapping when he or she attempts to found and build a company from personal finances or from the operating revenues of the company. So does that make sense? Basically, bootstrapping, and again, there's lots of different definitions or variables, but it's trying to start a business or do something with the resources, the abilities, the money that you have. So one of the goals of bootstrapping a business is to live to fight another day as a business and personally. So, you know, so the, the goal, you know, if, if you're trying to hit a grand slam and you strike out, um, it's not going to be good, which is kind of what this says. You cannot grow a business to, that does not exist. So avoid trying to hit a home run if striking out will have a major impact on your business. Again, bootstrapping is, you know, trying to use what you have. So if you think you're to a spot and you need to borrow money and you fail, it's not going to be good. This was a bonus that I didn't put in the thing, but I have a formula um, for how to make money farming, okay? And it works if you're starting a farm with lots of money. It works if you're starting a farm with no money. Little experience required. This has been tested over time and proven by many and guaranteed to work most of the time. It depends on your willingness to try harder. So um, you might want to take a picture because this is, it's good, okay? So what you do is you have your value that you're desiring to earn. You times that by two, and that's the amount you need to start to make the value desired. All right, so if you want to earn a million dollars, you have to start with two. Come on, it's a joke, okay? Right. I thought you guys would get that one. Anyway. anyway, it's not really a formula. It's just a, it's kind of the reality sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're trying to start a farm. It seems like it takes way more than you have, and um, it feels like you're just putting everything you have into it, and you're getting not much out of it. Okay, so some of the challenges to starting a farm is it has a high capital outlay, it has a steep learning curve, you need to create a market. Uh, it requires a lot of work up front with no income for potentially months or years. 
he talked a little bit about this last night. Like, you can't just go out to the hardware store and buy lumber and build a deck and get a paycheck. You have to put lots of work in before you can make money sometimes. And there's a pretty slow learning curve. So, you know, if you made a mistake on your potatoes, you know, you don't get that chance again until next year. Um, so helpful steps that I've found is um, focusing on true success and that's kind of what this conference is about. But if your focus is on just making money, you know, you're going to have a hard time. Um, so this is the next one, make God your boss and take direction from him. This is the, the, the best one and sometimes the hardest one. Sometimes you don't know what his direction is. But um, this is the ultimate goal is that you know, you're not just making a business to make money, but you're operating, you're a steward of God's land that he has given you. And as a steward, you take direc directions from the boss, and sometimes you don't like those directions, but there's a reason you've been given them, right? Um, so the next one is you are a steward, pay God first. Um, so this one to the world doesn't make sense, but to me it, it makes the most sense of anything. So on our farm, um, basically all the farms that we've had, we've always paid God We've always paid tithe out of our gross, which is hard, right? But um, we've always been blessed more than, than we can imagine. So we have in our, we have an LLC and in our operating agreement, we have it set up so that all the money goes into a bank account and we pull that money out and pay God before we get anything. So, um, you know, if you, and I'm not telling you that's how you have to do it, but this has worked for us um, because especially starting a business, you know, there's always expenses. You need a greenhouse, you need a tractor, you need a cedar, you need that, you know, and there's never any money left, right? So that's how we've done it. And just for example, this year, you know, we've, we got donated back to us. We weren't expecting, but almost the same that we, we paid in tithes, so. Um, find free land to practice on and grow from there. Uh, a huge thing is to have a passion and calling for what you are doing. Um, a good one is to intern on a farm or work on a farm and then jump in and enjoy the ride. So when we started the first farm, we had six months of interning experience, which, you know, we, we got the ideas that you need to plant them in straight rows and maybe 100 feet and whatever. And we did have a church garden before that, but we didn't know nothing about anything. Um, so important things to remember, it is hard to t turn a boat that is not moving. So um, this one kind of goes back to the Lord being in control. So, you know, if you get, if you're just stuck, like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing, right? So even if you're going in the wrong direction, he can turn you around and, and go in a different direction. Um, do all that you can in a situation, and if you can't go any farther, then just back off and wait on the Lord, and maybe he has something else in store. Um, this one, always be on the lookout. So I'm always on the lookout for anything, right? So if I'm driving down the road and there's an old something there that I might need sometime, make a note, you know? Or um, 
if you're having a conversation with somebody and they say, oh, I might sell something, how much do you want? You know, and never be afraid to ask. Uh, never be afraid to ask a stupid question. This goes a long way in bootstrapping because, you know, there's lots of experts and to them it's a stupid question, but to you it's not. And I have no problem getting on the phone and asking somebody anything. You know, if, if my, uh, um, and even, you know, I, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. So, like, I'll call, if I'm looking for a part or I need something, I'll call somebody in a different state that's, you know, three hours behind in a different time zone because they're open, you know, to find the answer that I need for something. Um, when stuck in a corner, okay, so this is a good one. When you're, when you're stuck, you know, in a situation and you don't know what to do, um, I just go through my phone and start... <laughs> you know, looking for names, right? And then it'll jog your memory and you'll, you'll say, oh, I can call this guy, right? So these are all just things that um, can help you when you're bootstrapping. Okay, so we're gonna talk a little bit, I'm gonna talk a little bit about our farm when we first started. So God was and he is still bootstrapping our characters. So when we started our farm, um, we had six months of intern experience we had a working startup capital of $3,000. Um, my wife was in nursing school. We were paying as we went, so we didn't have debt. We had two small kids. We had no debt other than our mortgage. We had a good network of friends and family. We had zero farming equipment, nothing. We had nothing. Uh, I quit my job before doing the internship, and this was, um, I was doing commercial construction and making good money. And when we left, we went to $600 a month. And then we had no land to farm. So this is how we started our first farm. Is that encouraging to you guys? Okay. So this was our first farm. Um, we actually went, so we, our first farm was we, we started a church garden. And when we left and interned and we came back, um, there was the church that was like five minutes down the road, and they had this nice three-acre flat piece of grass. And we were thinking, well, let's just go talk to them. It'd be a great fit, you know. And we went and talked to the board, and we knew everybody because that's where I grew up. And guess what they said? No. And guess what? The reason was was because they were afraid that it would attract birds, and the birds would poop on the roof. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, you know, we were doing everything we could to find something. And what came from that was another friend that I'd grown up with, and he called and said, hey, I got five acres of land I'm not using. Why don't you come up and use it? And I'll give you a five-year lease with no rent, and you can get started. So us, not knowing anything about nothing. Yeah, okay, so I, I, I did some work on the barn, but it was... Well, we could do, we could modify the barn or do whatever we wanted to do. So it was a good, it was a good thing. Um, so we went up and looked at it and it was an old Christmas tree farm and there were still some Christmas trees and we thought, well, we'll just rip them out. No big deal. Soil looks great. You know, we took a shovel and dug it and it looked great. And uh, it was horrible, actually. It was like, so I, I didn't, I called Bob Gregory and sent him a soil sample, and he said, this is the worst soil I've ever seen from somebody who's trying to make a living. <laughs> and this was like a year later, so 
that was encouraging to us because, you know. Oh yeah, so, so I didn't have a tractor, and there's actually three tractors here. So it's, um, but the the one I'm on there is, um, I ran into a guy on a job, and he said, I got a tractor I'm trying to sell. So immediately, right, my brain starts working, and I said, well, maybe we can trade some work, barter, whatever. And he lived like five minutes down the road, so we just drove it down there, and I started using it. And uh, so that's how we had a tractor. And the unfortunate thing was we were there for two years, and every time I went to work, he was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to have you do. So we never actually bartered because he couldn't make up his mind. But we had it there for two years. And um, so we, I come from the construction building, whatever, and I had some um, of the trust ties there that I had. And I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't really know anything about what we were doing. So we're building this greenhouse. And we didn't have money for a greenhouse, so we bought some lumber. And we built this thing, and we, you know, we just stuck, dug fur in the mud. And you can see it's mud. This is my, my brother and his wife, and you know, up top of your boots. And we're just pounding these things in the ground, building this greenhouse. And we built this thing for like less than $500. Um, and I actually drove by not that long ago, and there's still part of it up there. And this was eight, nine years ago. So for a $500 greenhouse, you could have grown a lot of produce that could have bought you a new nice greenhouse, right? Um, these are some of our starts. And we lived five, well, actually, we lived 10 minutes away, which is really hard because, you know, the sun comes out, hot greenhouse gets hot back and forth. And um, so we had to try and do everything we could. So we built these benches and we flood irrigated them, AKA drowned them. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we had our, our starts. Um, we started our house in a building we called the shack and it had grow lights, just like the fluorescent shop lights. And um, you know, so we had to start everything there, load them in our car, drive down the road, put them in our swamp tank, swamp tank. And, uh, you know, everything's wood you can see there. We didn't have money for anything. We, I had a sawmill, so we'd mill wood. And, okay, so this is a really cool picture because there's lots of little patches of greenery there, right? And we didn't have a cedar, right? So we had to do everything by hand, which is a, it's hard work. It's more on the brain than anything, but, um, so I, I devised a way. I had some other stuff from an old business. I had these baking racks with all the sheets, you know. So um, instead of bending over, I decided that I would design my own system. So I made, I cut a bunch of quarter-inch strips, and then I made this jig that I'd put on the cookie tray, the big baking tray, and it would hold them all upright. And then I'd fill it with soil, and then I could, you know, seed by hand, standing up. They would grow. And then I would pinch the two pieces of wood together and then put them in my furrow, push the dirt up, and then pull the wood out. Transplant rows at a time. So I would, I would transplant rows at a time. So that's what all these are. I seeded them on the tray, and then I transplant, and I could have a crop in like two or three weeks. So this is like, I pretty much invented the paper pot idea. It's just with wood. But anyway, you got you to gotta use what you have, get creative. There's some more pictures. 
Okay, so this is another sweet invention here. Um, we had a bunch of compost that we'd get for free, but it was huge chunks and everything. So I made this. This is the jigsaw. I hooked a chain up to the part that goes up and down to the metal grate there, and it would just shake it. Right? So I could pretty much shovel as fast as I could, and it would keep up. And you could dump it. I made it so I could dump it with the, uh, the bucket too. But So there's a picture of finished sifted compost. That's my $3 but jigsaw is a little more than that. But. So you're kind of getting the idea that you just use what you have, right? I could have bought a fancy sifter, but when I would have moved away, it wouldn't have done me much. So these were um, some hoops that I built. And this was the next year, so yeah, this is, a little bit more. This is the next year, so I'm like, we're moving light years ahead, right? Um, still not growing any food. So the first year, I think we made $2,500. And we, both years we were there, we ran out of food in September. It's just like nothing. Um, so these are some hoops that I just, I went down and bought some steel tubing, knowing that they would rust, but they were way cheaper than galvanized, and um, made a bender so I could bend them myself. I painted some, and I still use these hoops today, and those are seven, eight years old. So there's our contraption. We can pull it down the rows and shovel out compost onto the beds. This is still in the prototype phase. We're working on it. These are some of the experiences we had out there. So for income, I didn't have a job. Um, I had lots of work I could do because I, I grew up there. You know, I did a lot of commercial construction. I knew lots of people I could get a job in, you know, three seconds. But I felt the Lord was calling us to agriculture. So kind of what I, well, you don't like to tell the Lord things, but I said, all right, we know you've called us agriculture. If this is what you want us to do, then you need to provide the work. So this is what happened for the two years we were there. And um, I didn't look for it. People would just call me out of the blue. And they would say, we have some work for you to do. I'd go over there and look at it. And they'd say, um, what do you want to charge? And i say, I don't know. The Lord told you to call me, so you guys figure it out. And then they would think about it and pray about it for a couple days and call me back. And it was always what we needed. Um, so that's what kept me out of getting myself into trouble. Because... You know, if I got into building a house or something, then I wouldn't farm. Um, we had a Geo Metro that we drove everywhere, and we lived 10 minutes away, so we'd have to pack the dog and the kids and, you know, lunch and extra clothes because it's rainy and starts. And I have a picture somewhere of the dog, like, in the back with it's, like, packed up with stuff, and it's, like, head over the, <laughs> the back seat. But... Um, and we didn't have any money, you know, so there was times, there was one time in particular that we didn't have any money and um, we had to deliver food and the gas tank was on empty, you know, and she said, what do you do? I said, we'll just go. And we drove it on empty for over a week. And um, when it finally died, it died right next to the gas station. So Amen. Um, a salad spinner. I know you guys have probably seen lots of fancy salad spinners, but we had the little, you know, Kitchen one, that's what we had, so that's what we used. We don't recommend that, but um, seeding, we also, you know, we seeded by hand. So, again, this is doing everything that we could with what we had. You know, we didn't, um, okay. Comfrey fertilizer, this was more of an aha moment for me because I thought, you know, as a man, whatever, I could just go out there and build an implement. I could 
um, do what I did with the tractor and plant some stuff and it would grow and I could sell it and nothing was working and I had comfrey in my field but I didn't know what was there I didn't know what it was I didn't know anything and it had been tilled like five times and eventually I had this patch like this tall of comfrey and it was horribly awesome um, and I didn't know what it was so I started looking at comfrey and I, I found out it was a a fertilizer and um, this was the moment that I I was reading Ellen White and it was like just go out into nature and observe and I'm like I don't I don't know how to do that you know so I go out there and I'm looking and I'm like what's this and um, anyway I found it was a good fertilizer so I just started cutting and dumping this stuff in big like huge tanks and then it would sit there and go down and rot and this black tar would come out and I'd dilute it, but it smelled like sewer. <laughs> That's what I had, so I used it. So there's another picture. I threw a couple case studies in here so you guys can kind of um, visualize what I do when I get myself in a tight spot. Um, because really bootstrapping a farm is bootstrapping your life. You know, like some people have a good job and they say, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of money and um, invest it, but for us, it's our whole life. So. We had a, a big truck, we still do, and we were driving down to Utah, and the whole truck just like started dying, like running out of gas. And I didn't know what it was, so I, I changed the fuel filter. We're in the middle of Wyoming somewhere, and I'm going up this hill, and it's just like, you know, and some guy comes up next to me and pulls me over, so I pull over, and he gets out and he tells me, it looks like you're vapor locking, and I don't know what this is, you know. And um, he tells me to do some stuff, and he said, there's another filter on the, on the carburetor you might want to check, but be real careful because it's aluminum and you don't want to strip it. I took it off, and I was real careful. I put it back on, and I was real carefully, and I really carefully stripped it. <laughs> and we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere, right? And cell phones don't work. Nothing works. And I got one friend with me, so, you know, I don't have money to call a tow truck. I couldn't call it anyway. And, uh, it's a 24-foot moving truck. Yeah, it's a 24-foot moving truck loaded full to the gills. So, you know, to get a big moving truck or a tow truck is not going to be cheap. So what do you do? You start looking around, trying to figure out what you got, right? I got a whole truck full of stuff. So I open it up, and in the back, there's like a box full of tape and painting stuff. And um, I had some tools that I put right in the back. So I'm like, well... Sometimes you can put tape on thread and it'll, you know, get it tighter. So I, I got some duct tape, which is horrible, I found out, because it just kind of melts, yeah. just dissolves in gas. Um, but I put it on there and I got it nice and tight. And through this whole process, I just kept stripping it worse. But what do you do? So I melted the duct tape and gas is pouring out. So I went back. And I found some blue painter's tape, and I thought, this is going to work. So I just kept putting painter's tape on there until it had a nice snug fit. And then I found a uh, zip tie and zip tied it on there so it couldn't move. And I started up and run out there and look, you know, make sure it wasn't leaking. And did that a few times. I drove down the road five minutes. But anyway, I drove all the way to Utah, and it works fine. So um, anyway, you just got to use what you got, right? <laughs> So this is our new farm 
and we were, we worked at a couple other farms in between. And uh, this, so this is our new farm. We moved in with our friends, the Nelsons, and they had currently deer fencing, a hoop house, irrigation, beautiful soil, and a good market. And we had a we'd worked there before, um, so we knew the market. We had 70, 72,000 square feet of greenhouse, and we had $15,000. And it was in Kentucky, and we were in South Dakota. And this was all the money we had. We had just sold our house and spent all the money to buy this greenhouse. And um, it was, we still have stuff out there actually, but it was like five semi loads. So I could have spent all my money shipping it, which we did. Um, we had lots of faith drive and desire to make it happen. So the first thing, um, this was, um, you know, this big greenhouse, you gotta put like four foot deep pilings of concrete and bury a column in it. And that was a lot of money and it was winter and it was frozen and I wanted to get it going. So this is my non-patented greenhouse anchor system that I designed. <laughs> and I didn't know how to weld, but I welded it. And uh, we took it out, and um, so this is our, our prototype. We got it in the ground. So it's basically like at the top of a teepee or something. So you know, the harder you push down, the tighter it gets. The harder you pull up, tighter it gets. So we decided to buy a welder. We decided our prototype was good. We're moving forward. So I bought the nicest welder that I could with the money. And this one's a Miller, and it actually does like MIG, TIG, and stick and everything. And, I got on sale for like $1,000, which is amazing. So I had to figure out how to, to get more serious now. I had to bend all these pieces to weld them to the pipe so I could put it on there. And this is the welder, or the bender that I made. And I have a video somewhere else, but it's pretty cool actually. You could put it in there and I figure out how to bend it in like 10 seconds. And it was a perfect fit. And you know, I'm not a wood, I'm not a metal worker, I'm a woodworker, so the first one I built was out of wood, which is a horrible idea because steel is stronger than wood, and I basically broke it in like three seconds, but again, this is just showing, I'm trying to show you that I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> I'm just doing it. So that's my finished product. So, and I drove all the way to Minnesota to McNeil Steel and bought this and welded it all learning as I went. And then I drove all the way to Nebraska and had it all galvanized, which is a whole other learning process. And, and there's my finished product. So um, you gotta have a, a, a plan or a vision. So this is our, our greenhouse patch in January. So we started putting the, the, the uh, anchors in and we had to actually get out there with a jackhammer and jackhammer the soil so we can get them down in there and um, put these in, but we got them all in in a couple of weeks, a week and a half. We started building the trusses. Now, there's so much that we're leaving out here, but because we had to get them here, we had to ship them, we didn't have money. So this is, we're digging the, um, the ground out for where we're putting our starts house. And we have that nice piece of equipment there and we didn't have any money for rental, but I found this guy and uh, he was willing to let me rent, and he's just like, well, I'll just pay whenever you got it, money, because it was winter and it was just sitting there. And um, so he, he brought it out, and then he brought a, a little skid steer, and 
um, again, you just got to, you know, push the limit and see what you can do, you know. So I said, all right, well, I need this thing, but I only need it like a day here and a day there. But I, don't, I can't pay for delivery. Um, you're slow. Can you just leave it here? And I can use it, you know, here and there. He said, sure. So I said, all right, I'll use it this day and then this day. And he said, all right. But then I needed things in between. So I would just call him and say, hey, I need it for like half an hour. Can I, oh, sure, just, just use it. And uh, so he was great, you know. And, but if, if you don't ask, you don't, you'll never find out, right? And it was win-win for me and him. So there's us putting those things in. And I actually put all those in wrong and I had to tear them all back out, <laughs> which is not an easy endeavor. Improvising, we, we hit solid rocks, so we had to bring these things in and um, build it differently. And this is, the, this is in February, and that's the next day. Um, a big thing of bootstrapping is no matter what the situation, you just got to, you know, I'm paying for equipment, so I can't sit in there by the fire and enjoy the winter. So I think that was, you know, we got like five inches of snow that day, and we were putting the gutters together with caulking and mastic, and not, not the best day, but we did it. Our greenhouse was on a, on a hill, like a 3% grade, so we had to cut each and every single one of these columns. And, you know, at first, I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just drill them. How hard can that be, right? But you can't just drill like a 5 8 hole with a drill bit, like 2,000 of these things. So I had to go through the whole process. Yeah, so we, we built, um, we have currently about a half acre. So it's a lot of, a lot of steel. I had to cut each column individually. So I had to go through the whole process of learning how to drill holes in metal. It, it doesn't seem that hard, right? But when you have that many, it is. You know, and each column has four or five holes and they all have to line up. And so I had to buy a drill press and figure it all out. Um, so that's us erecting it and we had, um, we actually had some friends that come out. They came out, and we didn't know they were going to come out until not that long before. But we, again, we're just, we're just moving full steam ahead as fast as we can, because we got rental equipment and it's, summer's coming. So you know, there, we had to improvise and make a safety first device <laughs> to get the trusses up there. So there's kind of the finished. Well, unfinished greenhouse, but and there's our work crew, a bunch of kids, some older people, some younger people. But we got that put up in a week. Okay, so here's another um, case study, if you want to call it that. And this is with the big yellow truck again. And um, we went out to Washington this last year from South Dakota to get some windows and doors and garage doors and for a house that we were building. Um, and I did not check the transmission fluid. And I burnt out the transmission. On the side of the freeway, on a mountain pass, and it started snowing. And um, So again, now I have a 24-foot truck with a trailer loaded, which is going to be even more expensive to tow. Um, so what do you do? You just start tearing apart the transmission, right? So we were on the side of the road. and. We're pulling it apart and we're doing everything we can and kind of come to the point where we realize we can't, we're not going to rebuild this transmission on the side of the road. 
And again, you know, I didn't, I'm not a mechanic, so I went to my phone and I started looking through there and I found a couple guys and tell them and they both said the same thing, you blew your transmission because, anyway. And uh, so I determined that it would be the cheapest to get it towed to a friend's shop and um, I, t I took it there, I tore out the transmission as soon as I got there and tore it off and it was shavings and I basically froze the reverse gear to the shafts because it didn't have fluid. And uh, so what do you do? We didn't have any money. Um, so we just start looking junkyards and it's an older truck. They don't make them anymore. Hard to find transmissions. And uh, the cheapest one I found was like $2,000. It was in Michigan and we didn't have any money. So, but I didn't want to rebuild it because I've heard all kinds of horror stories, right? You don't just tear apart your transmission. So I, uh, next best thing I could do was I started driving around backcountry roads looking for an old farmer that had an old truck. And I found some old farmer that had a lot of trucks, but he didn't have the right one. So I just go knock on their door, you know, say, hey, you got a transmission in the old truck? You know, and see if it was the right one. But I didn't find any. But through that process, um, I got on my phone again and remembered that there was a guy from my old church that used to work on school buses. So I called him up and he said, well, bring it over. So I took it over there and he looked at it and he's like, well, it's not going to fix itself. So we uh, pulled out some saw horses and put it in his backyard and we tore it apart. And uh, I went, I found a place and they overnighted the parts and we had all the parts there the next day for, I think it was $600 and put it back together and we're on the road. Um, you know, most people would be like, eh, I can't do it, you know, and I couldn't do it either. You know, it was prayer and it was um, just one step at a time. The Lord leads you. Um, and I drove it all the way home and it works great. So here's a picture of my walls. Um, we didn't have money for greenhouse walls. And this is old plastic from the roof that we just turned sideways and used on our walls. So again, using what we had. We're building a box here with some steel. And this was a, a little heated box that I talked about last year. But this is where we start our tomatoes and everything. And we can heat this. It's 24 feet long, 6 feet wide. We can heat it with a little tiny heater. Yeah. So we're starting our stuff on the ground. It's not ideal. I'd like to have you know rolling benches with heat in them and all kinds of stuff. But I don't got it. There we're working on our drive lines actually had a piece of uh, bearing explode and hit me right in the safety glasses right there. So you'll learn all kinds of new things trying. So this is a good one. Um, when you do have equipment or you have anything, you take advantage of it. So, you know, I pruned all the trees. I installed this clothesline. Um, you try and get anything and everything out of anything. And sometimes it gets you in trouble because I had an excavator last year and for a day and I started like five new projects. But um, again, like pretty much everything we've been doing on our farm for the last two years since we've been there has been not ideal. So 
we had one irrigation spot in the corner, a, uh, a hydrant, and this greenhouse is 150 feet long and 120 feet wide, and we had hoses that were running all over the place, and by the time you get to the end, it's like a trickle. Um, but that's what we had, so that's what we used. There's a, a picture. Like, how many farmers use these sprinklers? <laughs> there you go. Right, like this is horrible water patterns. To get a good water pattern, pattern out of this, you have to pull it like every five feet, like or every five minutes, right? So it overlaps. Um, that's what we had, so that's what we used. This is what you get when you're starting a farm because you're too busy. Um, irrigation, I didn't have money for big fancy irrigation, so I dug this ditch that's like a foot deep and put in the cheapest thing I could find. Um, and eventually I'll have to rip it all up and redo it because we're in South Dakota and it freezes. Um, but I designed it so that it would all run downhill so I can open a valve and drain it. But again, that's it's a lot of work because every you know you get in the fall, spring, hard freezes, and I got to be out there all the time. I took a picture of this because we were excited that it was thirty-seven dollars. Now the other store we were looking at it was like forty-seven. That's our irrigation budget. So some of you guys know where I'm coming from. Yeah. And some of you guys will know where I'm coming from. There's a little rack we built using what we had. We built this little. Uh, germination chamber and I went to the scary part of town and there was this lady that was like anyway I had this friend he's like I know where I can get a fridge so we went out there and she's like well you're not supposed to have one but no one's here so just go ahead and take one so I found the best one I could it was like a recycle place and um, we made this germination chamber we had mostly electric parts and so we could start now we can start basil out there at our unheated greenhouse in February. Um, so I, I bought a paper pot transplanter and the little tray, you know, to make the dibbles was $250. So I made my own with wire wing nuts. Um, so I drilled the holes and then you push them through and I took the grinder and ground off the back. And I'm going to buy a new one eventually, but for now it works. But that thing took me probably three quarters of the day to build. Because you get all the, you have to have all the holes perfectly lined up. Yeah, so it's not always fast to bootstrap. Um, this is just a picture showing, um, you know, we, we use our column rows for trellising. Basically, we try and use everything that we can to get what we need. I had a mortar mixer from a couple of businesses ago. So we hoisted it up, built a thing so we can mix our own soil. So this is a, uh, we were trying to get better germination, so I thought I'd get a, a roller. And I couldn't find a roller because we're in Rapid City and it's a small town. But I found someone that rented it and, you know, he wanted, I don't know, $30 or something for the day to rent it. And I said, well, can I buy it? He said, no, we don't sell them. And I said, well, so you got to go a little farther, right? So what if I don't bring it back? <laughs> How much would that cost me? <laughs> well, let me look. You know, so he looked and he's like, well, actually, it's only going to be, I'm thinking about buying a new one anyway, so I'll sell it to you for $80. So, you know, I got that roller for $80. And 
So sometimes you just got to know the right question to ask. Um, again, we're we're watering things with this hose. It's yeah, it's not ideal. Um, so this is a good one. This is our van, and you guys notice the boxes there. What's special about those? None of them match, and they're not ours. So basically, when we go to um, Sam's Club or anywhere, we take the boxes with us. And you know, if we go to Safeway, you got any boxes? So we actually have wood boxes now that um, we're in the process of finishing. But those boxes are free, so that's what we used. And this here is extreme bootstrapping, right? Because when you're when your glasses break and you need some, you just borrow your kids. <laughs> Not really, but. Um, so this is a picture of some of our tomatoes. And um, they're beautiful. They're more beautiful. And then they're not so beautiful. We went to, to church one day, and we have an opening closing roof that's not automated. We have to climb up a ladder with a drill to do it. And we left it open like foot and a half and we went to church and we came back and there was like six inches of hail on the ground and it had wiped out every tomato we had in there those are our strawberries what do you do right you have fun and I don't know who remembers um, Laura Ingalls but when they when this happened to them what they do they made ice cream so um, and you guys are thinking, what does this have to do with bootstrapping, right? So this was also a benefit. And we got our, our uh, roof was destroyed in the same hailstorm. And our paint was destroyed. So this is what actually got us through the winter was the insurance claim. So you know, you'd have to just kind of go with what happens and do the best you can. And so we redid our roof and everything, and the money that was extra got us through the winter. Um, here we are putting walls on the big greenhouse, and this was, this was a blessing miracle because um, I had a friend that had kind of the same greenhouse, and they sent him the wrong stuff, so I was able to get this material for cheap. And, but we still, we were going into winter, and it cost all the money we had to get walls on this thing to rent the equipment, to install it, to get it delivered. But we knew that if we didn't have walls, our greenhouse was kind of useless. One big thing of bootstrapping that, that I do is if I look at something and I know that I can get my money back out of it, then I usually try and do it. So I got this um, fabric, and this is like a 10 degree protection, and it cost me, I think, $400. And I was able to cover all my tomatoes I made like a little tent over them, and I got all my money back because I was able to extend my season for three weeks and keep selling tomatoes. So um, if you can do things that aren't risky that you know you're going to get your money back, I invest. Um, so this is a really important thing is you want to find somebody in your, in your area that can do anything and everything. There's always some guy that, you know, he's like been a machinist, he's a welder, he's built houses. Like, these are the kind of people that you want to embrace because they know everything and they know everybody that has everything. And, you know, I've called him and 
I built a, a wench for pulling stuff out of the trees, out of the woods, and I'm like, hey, do you got a gearbox? He's like, I just took one out yesterday. You know, I got it for 75 bucks. And uh, anyway, we built this little crane for our truck. So now we can move stuff around. This same guy also had this um, water tank and boiler that I got. And actually didn't even know the benefit, but this makes a really good bubbler for salad. because It's all stainless steel. Um, this here where I paper potted all these last year and was able to get crops out a, a month or more sooner. So trying to use the same space. Um, we, we hooked up our boiler to this greenhouse that we put inside of our greenhouse to try and heat it. And the point of this is basically try new things. You know, if you don't know it's going to work, just try it anyway. This is our logo that my wife made, and we had it burnt. I found a place in town that water jetted it, and he did it for like 75 bucks or something. So, and I welded it all to a thing, and now we can brand our boxes. Some of our kids. Um, so this is our package there. This is the box off the infamous truck that we had. Um, this is our package. So we, we took it off and set it on the ground, and this is our packing shed. It's way too small. This is our cooler. Um, it's eight feet long, and it's like, you know, every day we harvest, we fill it up, and we empty it out. We fill it up, we empty it out. There's no room. You know, we're stacking tomatoes everywhere we can. That's what we got. There, we had a crawl space that was eight foot tall in one corner, so we cut a door out so we can put a cooler or something in there. Just trying to use, again, what we got. That was a good one. So my wife and kids were driving to Utah, and I don't know, you hit a hole or something? No, just when I turned, the, oh. it, it started clunking, anyway, when she turned. And she's like 12 hours away, and we don't have money again, common theme, right? Um, and she says, what do I do? And I say, well, get under there and fix it. I did, I did what I could for my end, and I got on YouTube, and you know, type in van, clunking noise, turning, whatever, and kind of figured it out. So she had to get under the car, you know, and find a jack and tools, and, and she fixed it. It was like the sway bar link or something. For us, our current needs are um, our packing shed is too small, our cooler is too small, our delivery van is too small, our irrigation system is undersized. When we use too much on the farm, we have no water in the house. We have no heat for early tomatoes or starts. We're lacking hand tools for better weed management. We need more covered space for growth because um, we get a lot of hail. And we're currently in the process of getting a loan for the house. Um, that's a whole nother story. So this is the question that I've been wrestling with, is debt or no debt? And I didn't, um, you know, I think this is an individual thing, but for us, We've decided, again, that um, we're going to keep the, the farm debt-free, which is way harder. Um, and we're going to expand with profits and resources that we currently have. We're going to put our money into our biggest potential crops. Um, and we're going to try and start earlier this spring. Um, you know that Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. You know, the next part nobody ever talks about. 
Yeah, the part, sorry, the part after that, the next verse, you guys know what it is? Uh, yeah, so I, the next verse is the, the borrower is slave to the lender, right? Um, so that's the part that we're trying to avoid. And, um, but as a business goes, we're in a great spot to borrow money and build a new packing shed and put a cooler in and buy a new van and all these things, but we just decide that it's a little too bit, too bit stressful for us. For short-term growth, we're going to take the cooler out of the shed and try and build like a small 8 by 8 cooler. Uh, we found some cheaper hail netting that we're going to try and get. Um, we're going to try and find maybe a small enclosed trailer to take to market. Um, I got my eye on the neighbors. Um, we're going to try and find some timers so that we can irrigate at night more so that we have water. And you can kind of, any, any problem that you have, you know, you can try and make it better with not much money. Uh, so you want to make priority lists, lists and check them often. Be flexible throughout the season. Um, you know, so for us, one of our big challenges right now is do we try and get heat for the greenhouses to get early tomatoes? Um, but that's not a priority come June, right? So uh, you want to pray over the list and things on the list. You want to move at the pace that the Lord opens the doors. Again, you want to always be on the lookout, have faith, and take controlled risk. So bootstrapping is a non-sterile, exciting, ever-changing, grow-at-your-pace way of living. Encouragement to you that the journey is the process, not the end result. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.